Hello and welcome everyone to episode 10 of the App EVs podcast. I'm your host Chris Rogers and today we'll be talking about the Aptera news for the week of May 2nd through May 8th, 2021. In this week's episode we'll be discussing a recent webinar with the Denver Electric Vehicle Council with Nathan Armstrong, Aptera's chief technology officer, as well as discussing a recent interview he did with Hemp Industry News Daily. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the biggest news of the week came from a webinar that Nathan Armstrong, Aptera CTO, did with the Denver Electric Vehicle Council. Uh, for, for those who are not based in the, the Denver area, the Denver Electric Vehicle Council was created in Boulder back in 1974 after the first, uh, I guess, the oil shocks, the, the gas shortage crisis in 1973, which caused major disruption in the U.S., it actually, I, I believe it led to a lot of design changes in vehicles that increased, uh, finally resulted in increases in, in fuel economy standards. I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of stuff around the 70s related to the, the fuel economy standards at the start of the time. But you can see that there's a marked shift after that point in time leading into the 80s where vehicles in the U.S. actually got a, a lot more efficient and we are, we're, well, I mean, I guess technically they are more efficient now. They're using hybrids to do that. But as you can see with the rise of the the SUV, we've we've gone back on that. But, you know, they they put together a, a webinar and I wanted to say a couple of things first. First off, I, I really appreciate it that that Aptera participates in these sorts of things. You know, they they have a very um, I don't know how to say just a, a local feel. You know, it's a it's a ask me anything an AMA where you have these high-level people from Aptera who are speaking to the community. And you know, there's there's a lot of work that goes into bringing a car to the market. And I can understand that. I, I feel like the, the motivation from a company like Aptera would be to to, to not speak at all and, and just share promotional materials with, with fans every now and then, pictures and, and videos, but Aptera goes in a, a different direction. They, they really put themselves out there, and, and I appreciate that we're able to, 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 there's events like this where if you can, you can join, you know, you're, you're able to, to ask them questions and learn more about the car, and there is a lot that, that gets brought up over the course of this, this webinar. You know, he, he spent two hours with the 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 Denver Electric Vehicle Council just talking about the the Aptera and you know until it comes out you know this is or you get a chance to test drive it this is this is great the second thing I want to say is unfortunately unlike in the past where I've inserted audio clips from these webinars I did something wrong I, I messed something up where I tried to record the Zoom call and it did not work out at all I I still did take notes from this webinar and and so what I'm going to do instead is I'm I've I've ordered I guess maybe the the key key points that stood out to me in the webinar I've I've tried to group things together a little thematically and I'm going to briefly recap what the question was what the topic was and what Nathan's response was to that particular question and topic so with that let's let's jump right in it um, I have to say I I really appreciate Nathan Armstrong's candor and his sense of humor because he, he came in hot, you know, he, he, we're just, he's immediately jumped off the, the, you know, jumped off pointing out that 
um, I guess they Aptera has what they're calling their West Coast North facilities in just outside of Calgary, which is I knew that I, I think I'd I'd seen in the the Houston Electric Auto Association, I believe he revealed that he was based in Canada, but I didn't realize that Aptera also has a composite shop, an R&D shop, and a, a test track, which lends credence to the cold weather training that they're that they would have been able to do if they're, if they're doing any kind of testing at all. If they have facilities in Canada, they're able to 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 get that up there. But I I wanted to start things off with the maybe the the most important discussion of the of the entire webinar which is that Nathan stated that they will begin production that is production for customers in January of 2022 with a slightly larger volume in February of 2022 and ramping up to full production in June of 2022 every year he, he stated full production would mean that they would be producing one vehicle every three minutes which means you know just under the radar, we just got the reveal of of when, I guess we got a, a more firm target date for when customers will begin to receive their Apteras. I, I think thus far they've been saying end of the year, end of the year, end of the year 2021. And so January is st that's still, that's, that's not slipping much. Later on in the webinar, what he said was when he, he clarified that the numbers of begin production and then a larger amount in in February and May with that that literally I, I think it's less than 10 cars in January followed by another you know around 10 in in uh, February getting up to to um, I guess 30 or so 50 or so in March and then ramping up to I guess that one car every three minutes in in June so that's that's exciting and everyone who is a reservation holder right now that probably means if full production isn't going to begin I mean unless you were unless you were a, a, an early bandwagoner and and um, he also it, I'll, I'll state this it there was a question later in the webinar of if there was going to be a, a prioritization of different vehicle build types in terms of who would receive their their cars first and obviously this is all subject to, to change you know these are the comments that that he's making on this webinar and you know they can figure this out but it sounds like they're they're going to they're they're going to ship the the vehicles in the order in which they were were reserved and so in any case if you're one of the the first 10 reservation holders i guess you'll be seeing your car sometime around january of 2022 but for the rest of us, it probably won't be until late summer. R really, I'm I'm thinking fall, fall 2022, uh, just based off of I don't know what what my spot is in line. If anyone knows how to check what spot you are in line, maybe it's 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 based off of uh, something in the 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 number that you got. You know, write in. You know, hit me up on Twitter at at apt underscore evs podcast or you can send an email to apt evs podcast at gmail.com let me know how to check that out in any case i i, I wasn't super early on and, and so i'm not anticipating seeing that until till fall which is good for me personally because that would give me more time to get things situated here you know at i guess where my living situation in terms of you know i live in an apartment building 
one of the things that I haven't quite sorted out is where I would charge the vehicle. I don't have, I don't live in a single family home, and so that's not been, been certain. On the topic of reservation holders, Nathan also revealed that the last he checked, the reservations were up to 11,000, which is which is up from at the end of March, early April, um, the Sarah Hardwick, Aptera's chief marketing officer, she said that they were at nearly 10,000. And so the the pace of, of new reservations, it, it, it appears to be picking up quite a bit. It, it seems like they're, you know, they're, they're coming in a, around a thousand new reservations a month, which is fantastic. The next topic or category I wanted to talk through are the, the specs of the vehicle. There were, there were a number of stats that were, that were, um, that were, that Nathan dropped throughout the webinar. The first one I thought was really interesting is that the final design of the vehicle, and this is consistent with the idea that production and the first customer seeing the vehicle in, in January, the final design is anticipated for September or October of this year. And what he also said was that the, the current iteration that they're calling Soul, the primary change is an increase in the belly pan size, which is, is interesting. I, I think a couple of weeks ago when they, uh, in an episode when they first revealed the Soul, I couldn't figure out what it was that was, was different. I can't, you know, if I'm being honest, I can't say that I can spot that the belly pan area is increased in size. And the reason for that is that they wanted to increase space for the battery, which I thought was was really interesting. Also, he said that it is currently weighing in at 1,600 pounds, which is consistent with in the past. It's been said that the targeted weight was 1,500 pounds. I think that's I think 1,800 is the maximum weight for an auto cycle uh, classification. And I believe in the past, Nathan has stated that their targeted weight was 1,500 pounds. So it, it looks like they're, they're closer to that 1,500 um, pound weight, which is which seems pretty pretty good for, you know, their, their targeting lightweight design. The He also confirmed that they're going with a seatbelt airbag design. I think he mentioned that all the way back at the, say all the way back, that was just three months ago. It, it seemed like a lifetime ago. During the Houston Electric Auto Association webinar that they were going they were looking at a company that produces seatbelt airbags. Uh, he also reiterated that the the cooling system that they're using is a is a radiator that came from Steve Ambro, co-founder of Aptera. His history as a a uh, or background as a pilot, and it's done through a system of channels that are through the belly pan that dissipate heat through the skin of the of the vehicle. And the uh, I've saved the best for last. Uh, vehicle spec well I mean there's throughout there are a lot of specs but for me that the the specs that stood out to me but the 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 real I don't know shocker or mic drop moment that again Nathan just out of nowhere he just casually mentions that the zero to 60 time for the car is under three seconds which if you go on the website right now the all-wheel drive or the three motored option is listed as I think three and a half seconds. Um, I think uh, uh, Chris Anthony, co-founder of Aptera, he's you know they've been keeping those stats close to their chest, and they recently did the track testing, and they they did not state how how quick it was. 
he's been saying very brisk, very brisk, but under three seconds uh, is absolutely absurd. And he went on to state as part of that uh, follow-up, um, there was a question about, um, you know, at what speed is the Aptera most efficient? And he said that, you know, the higher the speed, the more efficient the car is, I'm assuming relative to other cars because of its aerodynamic design. And he predicted, he, he stated that they have not done any high-speed testing of the car yet, but he predicted that it would be very stable at 200 miles per hour, which it, it wasn't clear from the way that he framed that if, if he was saying theoretically if the car could move at 200 miles per hour, it would be stable and therefore you know, illustrating, you maybe meant that as an example of the car is so stable that even at 200 miles per hour, it, it would be, you know, it would be fine. And or he was indicating that when they do high speed testing, they could get it up to a, a very, very high speed. It, I think he, I think he mentioned that it's, it's been stated in the past that the vehicle's top speed has been limited, I think to 120 miles per hour. And, and so I, I, I'm not, I'm not going in as a, a reservation holder expecting that this is literally going to be a Formula One car, but if if the Aptera is able to do zero to sixty in under under three seconds, and you know it's possible to get the you know top speed, you know in the maybe in the one fifties or so, um, you know they're they're basically looking at, especially with the, you know, the I think the the entry level price around twenty five thousand dollars. I think it's a couple two thousand dollars more for the all wheel drive option. So you're looking at under thirty thousand dollars for a car that goes zero to sixty in under three seconds. That's that's unreal. That that's unheard of. That's that's Porsche performance specs. In for the price of a Honda Civic, uh, I, again, I I feel like this is Aptera is really looking like a company to me that, you know, there's a you know, we're at eleven thousand reservations right now, but you know there's there's people as people figure out what this car can do, I think we might see a a significant jump in demand and popular or. It, it it really just demand for this vehicle because what they're what they're the the specs of this are they they continue to blow the mind and that's that's before we even talk about range which is a, a great segue into the next area uh, that I wanted to focus on which was a, a conversation about vehicle range and efficiency someone asked the question of could you restate the the vehicle efficiency within the the more traditional miles per kilowatt hour stat and in response to that question Nathan mentioned that well he said that it was it's a moving target and so they don't want to give out that number at at the time but it would be a fraction of regular electric vehicles and and in fact uh, more efficient than riding a bicycle from a I guess a calorie consumption per perspective and you know that's it i it's that's interesting it's interesting for a number of reasons i think that co-founder chris anthony i think he mentioned he mentioned the the more if i think it's it might be in the the 
the the video on YouTube that went viral where they introduced the app Terror, where he f where he made the statement about it's more efficient to drive an Aptera than it would be to ride a a bicycle, and so it's a the fact that that popped up uh, again. But the the other reason why that's interesting is because I I guess just based on the the fact sheet on the website, and if you were to try to order an Aptera right now, they have stated size or kilowatt hour size of the battery packs of 25 kilowatt hours, 40 kilowatt hours, 60 kilowatt hours, 100 kilowatt hours. And then they also give ranges for each of those battery packs at 250, 400 miles, 600 miles, and 1,000 miles. And so I was initially really confused when, when Nathan said that, you know, they're, you know, they're not able to give a number on miles per kilowatt hour because I, I thought it was just a, a straightforward 10 miles per kilowatt hour just based on you know, if, if the 25 kilowatt hour battery gets you 250 miles and the 1000 kilowatt hour battery gets you or a 100 kilowatt hour battery gets you 1000 miles then it's just that that just it, it seemed fairly straightforward to me so I wasn't sure why he said this was changing but then he he went on to say that a the battery pack size that they're intending, which maybe this is after they get through the reservation holders, maybe there's there's some communications that are going out, was they're intended to have three battery pack sizes, a 350-mile, a 600-mile, and a 1,000-mile battery pack. And that speaks directly to a question that I brought up in a previous episode. I think it was maybe episode 7, um, which is... You know, if, if Aptera is improving the coefficient of drag, they're improving the efficiency of the hub motors, then what is the impact on the range of vehicles and would they be changing the battery pack size to maintain the the ranges that they were initially promising, 250, 400, 600, 1000, or would they end up with a, would they keep that battery pack size and then, you know, just have better range on their vehicles and it, it sounds like there are some discussions at least about doing the latter because they a they're not currently offering a 35 kilowatt hour battery pack but if they've improved the efficiencies across the board then it could be that the new minimum spec aptera will be the 350 mile variant but starting at $25,000 or $25,000 which is made possible by the fact that you know previously it, it was only 10 miles per kilowatt hour but now you know like they're 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 reaching these higher levels of efficiency and so with the 25 kilowatt hour battery pack they can get to a 350 mile range for for the vehicle um, you know Nathan Nathan went on to say that you know they're there are also increases in, and this makes this makes perfect sense. This is something that actually that I've been wondering about with the size of the. I was wondering about how could the the efficiency or or be the same uh, ten miles per kilowatt hour for each size of the battery pack, if you know if a larger battery pack would be heavier. It, it would seem that the smaller the battery pack, the more efficient the vehicle would be. And and Nathan confirmed that. That there are range increases that they see from smaller battery packs because they they weigh less, and so it would make sense 
that if they are able to achieve 10 miles per kilowatt hour within a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack for their 1000 uh, mile range vehicle then the exact same if they do nothing else then just removing the weight of the cells um, removing 75 kilowatt hours of cells in the exact same car the exact same setup you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't end up with a 250 mile range because the the car would weigh significantly less it would it would go actually much further and so you know i'm 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 really curious as to you know it could be you know they're they're taking reservations on vehicles based off of a, a certain range and i imagine they're you know maybe they're they're going to play around with that a little bit and after they get through the the first the the reservation holders maybe they'll they'll restrict the battery sizes or the the different options uh, this is this also you know i don't want to go too in this right now but i've always kind of thought it was strange to have the 400 and 600 mile range it, it seems like or yeah 250 400 600 you know it, it seems like you know there that's maybe one too many um skews um too many there's I mean, I, I guess you know people will always say that it's better to have more options than than not. But I feel like they're, you know, people are are going to be favoring either the 400 kilo or 400 mile version or the 600 mile version, and it makes sense that if just based off of efficiencies, that they can get a 600 mile range vehicle with maybe the 40 kilowatt hour battery, then there's there's no reason for them to offer a 600 mile range version and maybe i don't know like an 800 mile you know it's like you you know go to the lowest possible that you can do and maybe that's a 350 mile range car with a 25 kilowatt hour battery pack and then a whatever the 40 kilowatt hour battery pack with a 600 miles range and then you go to the maximum the eye popping thousand mile range battery pack anyway that's there's a so along aside, but something that I think will be really interesting as we get closer to launch as to what is the actual range of this of this car. Um, you know, the the next part that that came up was a you know part of the discussion about price points was about the the manufacturing of the vehicle. You know, someone it 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 started off with it it kind of uh, it started a conversation of you know, the different met or battery pack size. And uh, Nathan went on to state that, you know, what, what they're trying to do, you know, there's, there's, there's a few things that they're trying to do in terms of reducing overall cost of, of manufacturing. One, you know, they're following the Tesla model of creating a giant die cast to make the, the, the composite monocoque structure um, that will be comprised of seven parts to dramatically increase efficiency and that's what it's partially what the team of uh, Sandy Monroe and Monroe and Associates are helping them do right now they're creating this hybrid manufacturing s facility that is far more reliant upon human labor than you would see within the automotive industry and the end result is that they're going to be able to rely upon artisan labor and hand-built labor to create the Aptera in a way that you would see in a company like Rolls-Royce, which is typically more high-end, but because they're reducing their capital costs so much, it's going to be offered at a much, much, much lower price point. And then he, he said something that, it, he, he's mentioned this before, I think it, with the current review, that I really, really like 
and I'm admiring about the company is that they want to give their employees a sense of creator creative ownership and to to foster that to to lead to a, a happier workplace that's part of the reason why they want to enable that type of artisan labor you know they they also because of the way that they're focusing on efficiency and, and lower cost you know they're able to charge less for the vehicle but it's I, I really admire the fact that they're trying to make Aptera a good happy place to work with to work at that people will be happy and I think that's fantastic the next thing that a topic that came up is the future variants of the Aptera um, it's specifically the four-wheeled Aptera and this, this came up a few times over the course of the webinar and uh, Nathan mentioned that yes he confirmed that there are plans for the four-wheeled Aptera the the goal would be to incorporate the design of or the, the design ethos of lightweight vehicles hyper uh, hyper aero aerodynamic vehicles and to incorporate that in a wider range of vehicles starting with a I guess a more sedan like vehicle but he also mentioned that uh, potentially a, a future truck that would come after that but you know a, the the I don't mean to bury the lead the most important point is that he said that it was about a year behind the current model and so now we finally have a rough time frame for when you would expect the the next the I guess the the four-wheeled variant that will have a backseat version if the current three-wheeled variant will be at full production and the in June of 2022 next year then we're looking at I guess around June 2023 for the four-wheeled Aptera which is, is exciting um, the the last few topics I want to go through pretty quickly one was on the topic of the rear view camera someone brought up a really good point that the rear view camera on Tesla can get covered in snow and ice and icy conditions which is you know this speaks to a, just a, a fear that that I have that that's maybe completely unfounded and irrational but part of the reason why I the version that I have reserved does not have these solar panels on the rear hatch is because I would like the ability if need be to turn around and look behind to, to see what's behind me and I don't like the idea that I would be locked into using the rear view camera and Nathan's response uh, did help to assuage some of my fears a, a bit what what he said was that the you know the reason why you will see snow and ice accumulation on cameras and cars currently is because of the way they're their their current design you know regardless of how aerodynamic they are there's a there's air turbulence that builds up into a a pocket of eddies behind a car and it creates a swirling effect where it where where material i, I guess or debris which is really just snow and ice if it goes over the car if you, you can imagine the the current airflow when it hits the turbulence behind the car it swirls around back and will accumulate on i guess on on areas that are at the back of the car you can you can you i guess envision the license plate area in in the car while you're driving and a key difference with the aptera is is because it's such an aerodynamic design that the eddy that builds up behind the car uh you know those those that little air turbulence is naturally less but they've also designed the car so that they release cabin air 
into that eddy and so it eliminates the the pocket entirely and so you know all air snow doesn't go go doesn't i guess go over the car and then loop back around to hit the rear um i guess rear license plate it just everything just slips off the car and so he's predicting that those cameras will remain there will be significantly less buildup on rear view cameras than you would see on a normal car you know that that necessarily would not negate the need to wipe down a the cameras from snow or ice when you first get into the car you know if it if it gets snowed on overnight but it does mean that when you're driving there there will be far less of an issue of of you not being able to see because you know it, it's you know snow is kicking up and covering the the I guess the camera which is which is really interesting another really interesting fact um, Nathan was asked about the production of the battery packs and he revealed that Aptera will be making its own battery packs and and this this makes perfect sense so they're going to be buying the cells from third parties but they're going to be manufacturing the battery packs and I've I'd been wondering this you know as as soon as it was revealed that they were going with a I guess a non-traditional design of the battery pack in order to cram them into the belly pan of the vehicle which essentially that it that stood out to me as oh they're they're not making a just a standard brick shaped battery pack like anyone else makes if the second you start doing something that other people aren't you know it, and there's a bespoke design Aptera is going to be low volume I was really curious as to who would be willing to make that you know they're they're not going to right now you know they're not going to be able to make very much each year and, and so it just wouldn't make sense and so I, I guess Aptera felt the same way and they're they're purchasing the cells and then they're going to whatever the shape they end up being so that they can cram those into that curved design of the car they also on a related note they mentioned that they're going to be moving the charging point port of the of the car from if you've seen in their videos it looks like it's you know you flip back the the rear license plate and you'll see a charging port but now they're going to be moving that to the front of the car and there's going to be four separate charging ports um, you know the the precise use of that I'm not actually sure but that I thought that was an interesting fact and the the last the last bit of interesting random facts um, uh, one is you know which is which was I think has kind of been I think it was maybe mentioned with the Alafe webinar when they were talking about the hub motors and the different things you could do is that the an Aptera can indeed drift I, I guess there's things you can do with the controller software that will allow it to to drift which for me I it really just stood out because I feel like that is plus one to the idea that the car modding community will be interested in in the Aptera um, you know it, it's it's the the evidence is, is just is just growing here you know it's few parts yeah, they support right to repair. Um, I guess you know, people modifying it. They're trying to encourage people to be able to modify the car, customize it however they want. All-wheel drive, zero to sixty in less than three seconds, and it's able to drift. You know, if that's not the pitch to put the next Apt or Aptera in, I guess the sequel to uh, the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift Part Two, I don't know. I don't know what is. And the last interesting fact that just uh, again just out out of nowhere um, 
someone asked if an Aptera can float, and Nathan Armstrong confirmed, yes, an Aptera can float both with or without the doors open. I, I, I guess it, if you know, I, I guess that makes sense if, if they, you know, if the, if they're designing the, the composites, they're, they're airtight, you know, to reduce wind turbulence, then, you know, I, I guess that will, you know, th that, that makes sense. Um, but it, it sounds like, you know, or I guess if, if you've never seen the videos of a Tesla Model 3 driving through very deep water, um, you know, it, because the electric, uh, you know, the electrical components of a car, well, that can get damaged by the water. The electric motors themselves are perfectly fine in water. And so it sounds like the Aptera, you know, not only will you be able to take it on camping trips or, or off off in the wild somewhere, but you'll be able to afford rivers, um, I guess, more easily than, than other cars, which is which <laughs> just, you know, the more you learn about this car, the 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 more nuts it, it gets. Next up, I wanted to talk about another interview that Nathan Armstrong did, but this time with Hemp Industry News Daily. Uh, there's an article posted on the website that I will share in the show notes where he was asked about the hemp-based composites for the Aptera. For those who are unaware, uh, not the the entire monocoque composite structure will not be made out of hemp. But Nathan Armstrong revealed in a previous webinar that they that a, a I think they're they're aiming for the non-structural parts uh, or components, and so that would be the replaceable components. I I think a good example of that might be the wheel skirts for the, the that are covering the front wheels on the car basically anything that you would anticipate would need to be replaced they're they're looking to be based out of a hemp based composite that when combined with a fully biodegradable resin epoxy will increase the amount of biodegradable materials with uh, that or composites that are used in the car which is fantastic from a sustainability um, per perspective um, and there were there's a number of uh, you know some of the information is, is already known but there are some other f facts I thought were, were really interesting you know the the first is about the viability of hemp as a composite material in in, in general or really just composites using the vehicle and, and uh, apparently within the auto industry the you need to in order for a material to be viable for a car you need to be able to make uh, you need to use that material to make one part per minute with that particular material. And the issue with composites, and and thus impacting hemp as well, and hemp-based composite is that you're you're not able to make it fast enough. And but within the last ten years, there there have been improvements in overall efficiencies that have have led, or I guess, increased the the overall viability of hemp hemp fibers um, for that are now being used with uh, with Aptera, and this speaks to just you know one more f feature of why, in, in a way, it seems like Aptera going under when it did may have been a bit of a, a blessing in disguise. You know, when when Aptera first came out, 
you know, there are so many things that just weren't available. Whereas now, you know, you've got faster production and you can use composites. You know, the idea that they're using a center console screen, the hub motor technology, the controllers for those those motors, the the cameras, uh, uh, autonomous driving. There are all these things and battery packs, you know, that Aptera is able to take advantage of that they just could not in in the past. And so that's you know th that's that's something to you know just really keep in mind. You know, if you ever catch any naysayers who point out that the company went under, you know, they were. It's it's not even that they had one hand tied behind their back when they were trying to set the car. You know, they were. They, it's worse than trying to build a plane while flying at the same time. It, it's just, and now there's there's so many things that are that are different. Uh, another interesting fact, um, you know, Nathan mentioned that they had only started testing this idea of woven woven hemp fibers and to use as a high performance composite about four months ago, which is which is crazy because. You know, the first time he he, he mentioned it, I I I'd assumed that they had, they looked into it, you know, far far before that, but you know, it sounds like this is something that is down the line that they're they're really looking to, but I guess there are questions about, you know, you know, from from my perspective as to how much of a role in the first production vehicle this will this will play a role, um, and and then he also he gave some reasons for why they're using hemp as opposed to to other materials and. And there's a few reasons. One is the the yield of hemp. I, I guess you can get around thirty thousand pounds per acre, which it doesn't really mean much to me because I am I am not a farmer. Uh, second, it can grow in harsh conditions, including Canada, which you know, that that makes perfect sense to me. And third is that it, it's a, a a really tough fiber, um, you know. And, and so all this goes together that when combined with the the biodegradable uh, resin-based epoxy, they're looking at a viable a biodegradable alternative to to fiberglass you know the 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 biggest issue that seems to me right now is that they are apparently they are shipping hemp to Europe to be woven by I guess the company that has pioneered this and then the, that's being shipped back to North America for manufacturing which is which seems very costly but you know I guess they're looking at a powered loom that they can do this this weaving on site in North America, but you know that's that's something to keep in keep an eye on. But but going forward, it it sounds like you know Aptera is going to be at the forefront of of vehicle weight and aerodynamic design you know, for a while. But you know this this the developments that they're pushing with hemp. You know if they're able to to push this market. And if they're able to reduce the vehicle cost even further with a biodegradable option, that's that will be fantastic. And, that, and that's the, uh, just one more thing that has me really excited about the car. And that concludes episode 10 of the Apt EVs podcast. I hope you found this episode interesting. And as always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend so that we can continue to get the word out about solar electric vehicles like Aptera and, and companies that are, are really driving sustainability in, in a way that, that I, I hope that the traditional automakers take note. The Apt EVs podcast, it's available on on most, if not all, podcasting platforms if, if you have any questions 
or feedback, including corrections, please send those to aptevspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at, at apt underscore EVs podcast. As always, thank you to OS50s for the song Movies. And in the words of Jeff Kanata, think about what you put out to the world. Make it a better place.